0: G'day legends and welcome to another episode of Clutch Shouts. Today we're sitting down with Shane from Moneyball and getting an insight into how they go to sourcing some of their products, some of their biggest issues, and what their plans are for the future. If you're enjoying the episodes, make sure you subscribe to our Spotify channel, jump on our socials at Clutch Collectibles, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We hope you enjoy the episode. Alright, good day legends, welcome back to our, our second podcast, hopefully you've all tuned in for the first time we uh, had last week, you tuned in with our Blunt collection, so hopefully you're all enjoying that, but today we have uh, a different different aspect of the trading card world. Uh, before we get into that, um, say hello to our, our friends, we've got Tally here, we've got we got How are we everyone? And today our guest is from Moneyball, say hello Shane. Hey mate, how are you? How are you going? I guess, um... I'm going to let you do the introduction, so I want you to absolutely nail this. So I guess for everyone who doesn't know what Moneyball is, what is
1: Moneyball? Shit, I hate it. It's the worst question ever. Like, it's <laughs> repacks are so hard. Like, it's such a hard thing. I think about it constantly, doing introductions, even when we're talking to sort of potential people. To buy. It's like, how do you introduce a repack without sounding like a mixture of a really expensive lucky dip or just <laughs> missing the point completely? So it's a pretty tricky one, I guess. But, um... I mean, it's something that's become a lot more popular in the hobby at the moment. Probably a year ago, there was literally, you know, hit parade to be available every now and again. There was a few Mm -hmm. other ones. Um, But it it wasn't something that was everywhere. So, um, that's why we sort of come out of, I guess, much more of a market sort of pull and push. Um, Both Ben and myself come from breaking backgrounds. Um, I used to break NFL. He broke NBA. And i guess it come out of just sort of going well, you know some of this product that we're getting and especially you know last year as the prices started to go up it's sort of you know you what you used to be able to open for you know three four hundred dollars all of a sudden was costing seven or eight hundred dollars you're splitting that up over a break spot and they're pretty slim retail boxes so like Mm. geez wouldn't it be good if we could have a guaranteed hit or two that we could just put in with these products Um, you know, and just, I guess, add to the break and have a guaranteed hit. So we found a few different ones that we used to use ourselves, but we found they're really hit or miss. Um, I hit this Giannis rookie card in one of them. won't even name it. It's not hit parade. It was a no-name one, but I'll probably butcher (laughs) their name, so it's not even through protecting them. But um, (laughs) went to open it, hit this Giannis. I thought, oh, that's so good. Open it up out of the one touch, and literally the corners of the card will, like, split. Um, So, you know, some of them are, there's some sort of, I guess pretty brutal ones out there um we wanted to sort of make something that's probably a little bit more transparent but just try to give people the opportunity to have something they can break and i guess for breakers to be able to add a hit to it so um i guess essentially what it is is uh it's a product where you know it's a buyback or repack product there's one graded card or one raw card jersey memorabilia i guess there's different iterations of the product now um but essentially gives people the, the ability to hit those cards that they may not normally have access to or wouldn't find in, you know, current products.
2: So just, just on that, Shane, like you just mentioned about prices going up. we all seen the price influxation last year. Um, now, did you find it hard? Because what are we up to now? For, you've just dropped Moneyball Series 4. That was unreal. Uh, I'm guessing there's going to be another one on the line soon for the basketball. But with those prices going up, did you see? Did you find it harder, you know, adding adding in types of cards between like series, say, one to series four? Because we it's have seen really those prices go, like, go up. It,
1: it's sort of it's one of the things where I guess it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Where in, unless you have a large catalogue of cards to be able to use, you, you're almost buying release by release now. I mean, we've sort of Tried to use the fact that we are a bit smaller scale, you know, we don't have sort of, you know, the ability to buy hundreds of thousands of dollars of collections. Um, so, you know, we brought out a few collections, but we sort of try to buy for that particular release so we can keep it cards that are sort of current at the time and that people are, you know, desirable at the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not always the way you're going to have cards that you go to use, and by the time you go to use it, it's doubled. Or, you know, even like we've seen a couple of months ago, we had some headliners that were ready to go or, you know, sort of, I guess, tier two sort of headliners that was that sort of prism-based type card where all of a sudden by the time people pulled them out of packs, we might have put it in as a five or $600 hit and people have pulled it out as, you know, a $100 hit. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's sort of tough. You know, it's the same thing. There's $70, $80 cards that by the time people open it have become... Yeah, yeah. $15 cards and they go, well, this is pretty shit. And it's like, you know, to be honest, man, that was worth four times as much, yeah. you know, um, a month ago or two months ago. But that, that's the nature yeah. of it. You know, there's plenty of cards that we put in there at $100 and are now $500. Yeah. So, you know, yeah.
0: it's the yeah. hobby. I was going to say it's that sort of that you got saw released at that, that peak. So you would have been, oh, sorry, I don't know the exact time you started, but it would have been at that border for cheaper and gone up. Like we, we hit a luca uh Luke, Rookie select and there yeah, it is there. There it is there. <laughs> uh, Damn. People on video. So I know mean, when we bought it it was absolutely huge, like massive card. And it, I know even from now that was only a few months ago and it's already like started to decrease. So as you said there it's really that um, that timing of the market is just gonna be very, very hard to hit.
1: It's, it's ridiculous like and I mean at the moment people talk about a bit of a crash but seen some data the other day I think eBay released it they've done in the first two quarters of this year this. they've already done like 2 billion US oh. which is what 2.7 or so
0: I think it was yeah. So wow. this, the start of this year they've sold more than they all of did last year right? yeah, yeah. Oh, and like we're saying all the way f- crashing the price is going
1: down but there's more sales than there has ever been and it's, I guess, the good thing about that sort of eBay data as well is that, you know, traditionally the card market's pretty high end. Like people always talk about these all time high sales, mm-hmm. but the sort of sometimes a lot of that data's floated by, you know, four million dollar sales, three million dollar sales. Just get
0: occasional big ones, yeah.
1: Yeah, but with eBay, I mean, nowadays a lot of that higher end stuff is done off, you know, your auction houses, options, your Goldens and stuff like that. that. So mm. that eBay data itself is probably even more impressive. The fact that so many of those bigger cards would have been sold via your PWCCs on eBay last year. Yeah, so to have yeah. already done more than that as a total in two quarters just shows that, you know, there's still, I guess, plenty of water in the tank at the moment. Yeah, That's
0: the hobby's handy. definitely still building. I mean, if you look at the other day, obviously the big news was Fanatics getting, the... getting that. I'd um, love to get yeah, your thoughts on that. It was so that.
1: surprising, but I would guess in the. In the... Two mm. weeks, a week leading up to that news, they signed, like, three different players to exclusive deals for memorabilia as well. And, I mean, when you look back mm. at it, the writing was probably on the wall that these guys were ready to come in and just absolutely clean up and sort of take, take over. Everything. But, it's, you know, it, as it just dominoes fell, you're like, what, what, what? what? It was just, it's just, yeah, it's pretty It's just huge. one after the other. you got the NBL,
0: and you're like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, from NBL, we just heavily focused on NBA. So, I'm, like, sort of looking at it like, oh, all right, NBL, like, no, nothing, no biggie. Then, I think it was... The next minute, it was like, a week later, to see the NBA's, like, gone. just like, what? Like, what does that mean for us? And I guess, what does it mean for the Panini products? And uh, that's going to be very interesting, especially for you guys with the repack. Some of those ones, as you said, you hold on to. You get one, the next minute, they're, all the Panini's gone and
1: Fanatics are in. And I don't know how to... I, personally, I don't know if Fanatics will go, or like, if Panini will go. Like, yeah. I mean, if you ever look at... Um, Fanatics, the way they're made up as far as their memorability, and they've already had even just a licensed apparel gear, they've held the MLB, the NBA, um, and NFL licenses for mm-hmm. gear for a few years now. And then they actually sit like, they then, I guess, you know, whether it's sublease or sort of, you know, license that again, then to your Mitchell and Ness, to your um, okay. champion and to these guys, so that those guys still make their product. Yeah. And essentially, they're like, you know, it's almost, if, if you think of it, like a subcontractor. Um, so, I mean, I really won't be shocked if they do the same thing with cards and follow that same business yeah. and model where they hold this. And then Panini still make their cards. And, you know, there's a little Fanatics logo somewhere on the bottom corner or whatnot. Um, you know, and Fanatics control their, the distribution. And the sales channels, Um, but I don't know whether they want to make cards physically. But we'll wait and see. Everyone's got a take on it at the moment. We're five years away. Like, (laughs) 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 anything
2: could happen between now and
1: then. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, people talk about you know five years, but it's and that's you know hears so much of you know how it'll affect us, and it's. You know, I've, I've sort of been in the hobby a while, but even the way I see things change, like you know, over the space of a month or six months or a year, five years is a long time. Long like, time. I mean, will there yeah. even be physical cards in five years' time? Will things not With just NFTs be NFTs? NFTs? Like, who yeah. knows? So, yeah. yeah We'll yeah, just have to we'll replay
0: this uh, podcast in five years' time. And see, we'll see how spot on <laughs> yeah. we are. Mate, there some, I'm just going to go
1: on literally every podcast. I can and give a different take. And <laughs> <Yeah. just> hopefully <laughs> one of them <laughs> will I nail it. Like, eventually I'll be like, guys, I said this five said years this ago. Why didn't people listen to me? Listen to me? Yeah, this is, uh, that's my plan. Uh, <laughs> NFTs are definitely
0: building, eh?
1: Hey? <laughs> Did you guys use Top Shot at all? Did you ever play around with Top Shot? I have two common ones, but I wasn't really... I've
0: missed every drop so far. It's
2: been unreal. Yeah.
1: I don't know. It
0: wasn't, it wasn't for me. I had a look. I got a few cards, and like I say, it wasn't for me mainly because I couldn't get any.
1: But um, I, I guess everyone. I love. I couldn't to get, get interested like, in it. Like yeah, I had a bit of fun for a little while, and like made a little bit of money out of it really early. Like mm-hmm. the first drop I got in was before it went crazy, and you were essentially be able to get unlimited packs. So I put like you know a hundred dollars in, and hundred US in my account, and I got nine packs that day. So like if you yeah, think right. about it, compared I think a week later or two weeks later it went nuts, and you were mm. lucky to get one every month, and that was like every night sitting there at these random times trying yeah. to join queues and whatnot. So that sort of gave me a bit of a leg up, but I just couldn't enjoy it. Like I've got to be somewhat passionate about these things, you know. I absolutely love cards, but I just I couldn't sit there and sort of trying to sell these. You know, four dollar minute, like four dollar moments for five dollars, and churn over that sort of game. Like it just yeah, wasn't for yeah. me. I just didn't have any passion. Like,
0: I like but with like I mean, the cards. You have your different like your different drops so you have like you know National Treasures and your Obsidian you get different designs on there I guess that's the cool part is it's more I'm liking the, the Panini
1: one now like I think Panini yeah. have sort of managed to blow Top Shot out of the water because they've got yeah. that brand consistency like you say mm-hmm. you know there's your Prism they have got your variations they can then put out you know NTRPAs mm-hmm. and stuff so I think it'll be interesting to see how the Panini one goes in time mm, that's fair
0: well as you said before you sort of, you've been in they've been in the card the card world a while now give us a bit of a Take us back, how did you first get introduced to it and sort of, yeah, how did you get collecting?
1: Look, it's a stereotypical story, like, absolutely loved it when I was sort of a kid, you know, big on basketball, um, what, 40, well, I was born in 1980, so I've got to think, whatever, 42 this year, (laughs) um, you know, so, you know, that absolute Shaq prime, you know, 1992, I was 12 years old, so I was absolutely prime for junk wax, ready to go, um, and yeah loved it fell out of it obviously as you sort of get older and moved on it's not like there was the financial incentives to do it mm-hmm. um, back then so probably moved on to bigger and better things like learning that I could drink and girls and whatnot. but <laughs> um, you know it's funny how it goes full circle and then you, you get back to it, it's like shit I don't want drink or girls I just want basketball cards now <laughs> <Back to my> <laughs> <man>. <laughs> so, but, so
2: did you throw any of those old school cards out that you used to have like I did as a rookie oh, Oh, man, of course. The, the
1: first thing, like, when I started collecting again, the first thing I thought was, shit, what has mum got? Because my mum's, like, yeah. I, I think other than myself, she's probably the biggest hoarder I know. Like, oh, in a good yeah, way. Man, she's my clean. Mom's... But, you know, Ooh, she keeps oh, it man. all. Like I'll be like, mum, do you remember this kid? And she would be like, hang on. And she'll go pull out a photo album with photos of this kid and me. And she would be like, yeah, and tell her the story of this kid again. I'm like, yeah, I was telling the story here, but she's got this obvious <laughs> info. But, so I, I knew, like, mum would have stuff. So I'm like, mum, what have we got? what have we got and um you yeah, know look there was absolutely nothing but it was good fun going through there and yeah. sort of you know trying to see what may have been there um yeah i think there was a good find i had a box that i must have got randomly like me and my son had sort of just picked up at whether it be a market or a shop somewhere and because he'd said to me he goes hey didn't we get a box years ago and i was like what where and then he ended up finding it at his at his mum's house in ballarat but it was like a um It was like AD, Jimmy Butler, um, you know, all those guys. And it was, what was it? It was the I can't remember if it was Prestige or if it was just Panini. Like, it was a pretty low-end product. But we ended Mm -hmm. up having like a Jimmy Butler Rookie Auto in there. A couple of other cards, like just ad base ones and stuff. So that was a bit of fun to find. Like, those ones had actually gone up for a little bit of value. They weren't, you know, thousands of bucks or anything. But um, that was a pretty cool little find. And I think that sort of probably motivated us to start buying other cards and sort of getting into it. Was that, well, obviously, you yeah, said nice. you and Sun, son,
0: so is that yeah. how you got back into
1: it, you and son started collecting? Ah, uh, look, he, he was sort of probably on the fringe of it. It wasn't until I probably... Had a, a pretty decent sized collection, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, I'd get messages saying, "Hey, you haven't paid for your break spot yet," and I'd be like, oh, I think you got the wrong person," and then they would realize they've accidentally <laughs> messaged me instead of him. I'm like, "Are you on a break?" And he's like, "Yeah," and then like, so uh, I think he sort of started to see the spoils and thought he'd get involved, but um, yeah, no, it's, yeah, no, it's definitely been good fun.
0: That's cool I can see a nice little, uh, I think, a basketball in the background. Who are you, who are you PC in?
1: Oh man, I have a, I have so many collections. I'm pretty terrible. There's a bit of stuff in there like that's more memorabilia sort of stuff. Shaq's probably nice big oh, shoe. Shit. Yeah, that's that's size twenty two. Actually, oh, I won't even. I was size gonna say 22. I won't stretch it out, but you'd be shocked how big a size twenty two shoe is, man. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's like a um a signed size twenty two Shack shoe. But yeah, it's huge. Wow. Like it's um I've got a Pomeranian, and seeing that. To next week was, um, you know, pretty confronting, like how big it was. But um, yeah, the shack I've collected since day one back since I've been back in the hobby was probably you know who I collect back then. Um, so I sort of naturally gravitated him, which was probably good because I sort of filled out. I got like all his rookies. I think it was checklisted wise from Beckett. There's about 70 rookies from 1992 compared to you know your 1,700 Zion's from last <laughs> year and whatnot. It sort of pretty small, but Lamelo this year, I think. Oh man, there's thirty-something one-of-ones yeah, I mean, just like in select alone, like <laughs> well, so. Yeah, there's no wild. hope. But um, yeah, I got all the Shack ones in PSA, like all PSA graded. Um, heap of Shack autos, heap of rare 90 stuff that was. Somewhat expensive, but the first few years I was back collecting, I guess a lot of my mates sort of all laughed, and they're like, you know, that stuff was worth nothing, junk wax, you know, mm-hmm. they're all hunting all these other players. And then over the last sort of year or two, some of those 90s inserts have had a bit of a turn and now worth a little bit of money mm-hmm. um, and a lot it's of the Shaq stuff. Hour, so eh? it's sort of, yeah, well, look, I don't know. It, it's probably like, I'm that idiot that's still going to be holding on to it when it's worth nothing again anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like I'll catch you, yeah. not absolutely yeah, any of it. Yeah, yeah. Um But, yeah, that, Nick Young, um, I collect. I'm probably the only person to have. Yeah, I have, like, I would... I'd definitely say it's the world's biggest swaggy pea collection, but it's probably the world's only swaggy pee <laughs> yeah, collection yeah, yeah. as well. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> there's not much competition. He's even shared it on his Instagram a couple of times and stuff, yeah, but nice. um He's he's holding def- on to that. He's like there is one person out there
0: who's still <laughs> yeah. riding this Swaggy P Yeah, like, but then yeah, he started
1: it's... Cameo and I hit him up on that, I'm like, Oh maybe you could do another video and he just totally ignored me unless I put the credit card in. So obviously yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah now yeah, that he's yeah. uh now and that I'm they've invented funs. that sort of thing, he's not so <laughs> cool about it um yeah. lou williams is another pc of mine there's a bit of a thing like i love a, a streaky role player uh yeah, yeah you know exciting player but mm-hmm. i mean other than that i just bit of everything i'm really big on game tickets as well i've been doing that for a while now so um jordan tom brady that sort of stuff kobe's yeah. last game um i sort of got into those probably late last year before that stuff went really nuts so like i bought a Um, Kobe's last game ticket, I think I got it at the time for about 200 odd bucks. Um, and then, I mean, at one stage, a few months ago, a month or two ago, they were selling for about two or three grand.
0: We're talking about proper
1: game tickets, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, even, what have I, that's like a Jordan Shrug one. So, you PSA grade them as well. And, I mean, it's essentially the same size, like, a little bit longer for a normal one. This is a Mm -hmm. small one, so that was like... 1992, that was, yeah, the Jordan Shrug game where he sort of looked, he scored the, the most threes in a, uh, in a playoff game or in a half and scored 35 and then did the Shrug. So um, things like that, there's, yeah, there's, nice. they've gone up heaps in value. And I think they're, they're pretty cool in a way, I guess, that a lot of us collect through that sort of idea of almost reliving some of those moments yeah, from games. Yeah. And I think it doesn't even get any more so than, you know, a ticket from particular games. I think that's 100%. got even more meaning, yeah. but... Um, be interesting to see whether it's a long term thing or whether people have jumped on it. It's like so many other things we see in the hobby, you know, go up oh, and then just mate. disappear yeah. after a while. I mean, that's the world, <laughs> isn't it? It's it's true. Like you know, attention doesn't stay on everything, so you no, know, be interesting to see how it plays out. So for so those talk- of
2: so for sorry, jacket for those yeah. of us that don't know, um, Moneyball isn't just run by yourself. Um, no. it's run by Benny as well. Um, is it just Benny? you and Ben. Yeah,
1: well, and Dan's joined, so our graphic designer Dan who um probably did a lot of the heavy lifting to be honest. Like all we do is buy nice cards and put them in a box. He does all the designs, <laughs> all the Rx. So he spends hours. He um he I think it was after maybe after series 3 we said to him, you know, hey, rather than us just sending you an invoice um do you want to get involved and sort of give you opportunity to probably earn you know a bit more money back from it but Mm -hmm. sort of have a bit more control and be involved in sort of a lot of the processes and that and he was like yeah absolutely so um it's been really good gives us someone sort of you know on demand where if we need some graphics done or we you know we want to change the design Mm -hmm. or something essentially got a a graphic designer in house um but Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think it's been sort of really good, had that extra person as well. He doesn't have a, as much of a card background, so he's got more of that sort of, does a little bit, but doesn't look at it the same way me or Ben probably would.
2: That, that's what I was yeah. about to say. So who do yeah. the boys PC then? Have they got their own personal PCs? Just oh, a look, quick rundown.
1: Dan, yeah, Dan loves like uh, a lot of old 90s stuff. Like, yeah. um, He's sort of, I think, like, he's had a few Shack ones he shares. I'm trying to think. I think it's called Made in the 90s is his Instagram. Um, yeah. But Ben PC's LeBron, and then now he's also jumped on these Bucks trains. Who is it, Bobby Portis? He thinks he's the ridiculous. Bobby Portis. <laughs> yeah. piece. He had Alan Crabb before Bar- that. Bobby like,
0: is absolutely turned it on. Like for the Bucks, Dad Yeah,
1: yeah, he's he's loving him. But other than that, it's LeBron. So I mean, he's been collecting LeBron for years now. So some of um some of those LeBron autos that he's still holding um they sort of make your toes cool when you start to think about how much money is yeah. sitting there, and you're constantly sort of like. Do I just sell them? What do yeah. they bring me? And it's like, you know, mm. from my perspective, I'm like, nah, just keep him, man. You don't want to get rid of him. And he's like, yeah, but I got a family, and that's, you know, that's a <laughs> yeah. big yeah. chunk it's, of my mm. mortgage. And it's like, geez, yeah. So it's a tricky wasn't, one. Wasn't uh, wasn't him paying
0: the one point? I think it was one point six five mil for the LeBron rookie <laughs> yesterday on Golden.
1: Mate, good yeah. luck getting one point six mil out of that guy. Oh yeah, you have trouble getting lunch out of him, mate. To be honest, but uh, that's no, great. look, yeah, definitely not. But um. We did. What was it? He he sent one off. One of his. We um when Golden's first started sort of doing well, it was there was a LeBron one of one actually. It was it was like um maybe Chronicles one of one game one patch he sent there just so he could go through that process of the sort of Golden's process of selling one through. And we sent it raw, and then they um, graded it with BGS, had it up on in their auction within you know the space of three weeks. Did alright, got paid pretty quickly. So it was. Yeah, that was about as yeah, close about to getting uh getting Bulgey's, big money through Golden.
2: Balchi's definitely sitting there with a hard on talking about LeBron. <laughs> yeah, Buggins. I am. I, I love LeBron.
1: <laughs> I like him. Like, I like LeBron, yeah. like I like him as a player, but I think as as his career goes on and the sort of I guess the the more outspoken he becomes on some of these issues, it sort of just turns yeah. me off, like I think purely as yeah, when a when basketball it political. yeah. 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 But, look, I mean, at the end of the day, he's got a platform. He's sort of obviously got some boys that he uses it for. So, power yeah, to it. That's
0: it. And what quit, about... Um, like, oh, yeah. No, you're a good, bro. I was yeah. just going to say, what about your future plans, like, for Moneyball? Like, what do you, what do you guys got plans for And there's the
1: so much. Like, we did wrestling not long ago, um, which went really well. We're a little bit worried about how that would sort of go because a there's no job. real market. Any,
0: but those hits, like, looking at some of those, I'm like, oh, man, like, take me back to my childhood.
1: Well, that's what it was, yeah. a really fine line between, you know, because you had the wrestling guys. Like, there's really, there was sort of three sets of people that were probably wanting those cards, and I hope I don't offend any of them, but you've got your sort of nostalgic guys that probably aren't even that into wrestling, but just love those old ones. So there was, you know, the Hogan mm-hmm. Auto, the Scott Hall, like, Razor and Ramon 25 was probably low-key, one of the most sort of wanted cards in there. Everyone wanted that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some other really cool 90s stuff, but then you've got the dudes that are all about the chicks cards and I don't know if it's you know I haven't watched a lot of women's yeah. wrestling and I'm going to assume it's definitely not like an attraction thing like it started. you know that, you know that kiss card
0: yeah. I
1: didn't know till afterwards the dude that hit it messaged me goes did you realize the kiss card was of 69 and I'm like oh no I didn't so <laughs> that was you know That's I probably right. would have put more value on it if I knew but um, I don't know if there's a market for of 69 kiss cards in wrestling but, so you've got right, the dudes yeah. that chase the, uh, the girl stuff and then you've got the guys yeah. that love you know all Guys, stuff and any of the modern stuff, so trying to keep, I guess, all three Mm. sets of those guys somewhat sort of engaged and entertained through the release. Because one of the biggest things that we do focus on is trying to make sure that we're providing something that you know people can enjoy opening, but we do it on a small scale, so you know, we're not doing these unlimited print run type releases where people are putting out you know 500 boxes or even where they don't even tell you how many, so they just keep churning and burning. Um, you know, the wrestling one was a 50, so you're pretty good odds of hitting something. So we just didn't really yeah. want to put any, any junk in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just wanted to, you know, find some stuff that people would enjoy. So we've got UFC coming out, well, tomorrow night. So we'll probably be out by the time the guys, uh, hear this, but UFC is another interesting one. You know, UFC is one of the fastest growing sports hobby wise. Oh, if you yeah, look at 100%. select and prism this year, it's gone nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's going to be another interesting one. And then we've got our main release, which we're doing um, probably, I'd say to be less than a month away, but probably a couple of weeks away. And that's one jersey and one card. So that's um, oh, nice. that's been Lock- a real mission. Lock it. Any, been... uh, <laughs>
0: any chances of getting a sneak peek of the, the hits?
1: Or... Oh, look, I, there's, like the jersey-wise, there's Kobe Auto in the cards. I can tell <laughs> you there's a Kobe Auto as one of the main hits yeah, in the nice. cards. Um it's probably the last of the Kobe Autos we have at the moment. We purchased a couple, and we've sort of been really sparingly. It's so tempting when you've got a mm. car like just to use it to sell everything. You're like, it's got a Kobe Auto, and it buy it, buy it. But <laughs> um, that's our last one left. So, uh-huh. um, But the jersey-wise, yeah, Ben's been absolutely hard at it. One of the biggest things that we never realized there was such a problem is, is with sort of guys that think they've got authentic jerseys, that are buying like they're just essentially barley jerseys, so they've got their tags yeah. on them and whatnot as well. But they're selling them in Facebook groups at five six hundred dollars rather than you know a custom might normally sell for sort of hundred and fifty. And out of buying fifty jerseys, we actually had to return twenty out of those fifty because they weren't even close to being real when we got them and had a look. We're just like, what? Like, there's no way you thought this was legit. So um, it's been are a bit on of an eye opener. Or
0: from like uh, big brands or what was everywhere, the-
1: man. Like. As far as you know, we had some off um, pristine. It's an auction house in the US. Mm. Um, they're mm. a little bit like eBay. Heap off eBay. Heap off Facebook groups. And I think you know a lot of it comes down to lack of education. I don't think people are particularly mm. being dodgy, but they just don't know, you know. And I think it comes mm, down to yeah. breakers are breaking this stuff open, you know. And Hit Parade's probably one of yeah, the worst, but they have a heap in there. They open yeah, it. No, and these dudes go patches. Yeah, and, and Breaker's guy looks, it's got tags, it's probably authentic, and they're selling their break, or, you know, in the moment they're like, yeah, it's got tags, yeah, it's an authentic. And everyone's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, we bought one, we bought a KD Authentic Nets jersey, or what we thought was authentic for, you know, 650 odd bucks. Um, and then when we got it and, like, we looked inside, you could just see, like, all the stitching was just mangled. It was like, Oh, I don't know if I would have ever really thought like if if you'd yeah. seen it in person I don't think you'd think it was real and we're like wow so we sort of had to take a bit of a loss on that and a few others has delayed the product by a little bit but you know we've got 50 authentic jerseys that we guarantee are authentic um, which we think is sort of a big thing so we're sort of looking forward to somewhat trying to educate people um, yeah. you know about authentic jerseys if that's what people care about. If people don't care by all means go and buy some uh, you know some customs but if you want an authentic yeah, gear, make sure you do your homework. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that'll be interesting now with Fanatics as well. We've sort of had a few chat with those guys, but trying to sort of work out something where we can sort of bring, you know, Fanatics product to people more, but it's it's pretty expensive as well. So there's yeah. that balance of price. Yeah, for well. sure. Um uh,
0: well, that's sort of, I guess, that sort of takes us to our last question that we have to have. It sort of fits into there, but... Uh, we did this last week and it was a bit of a. It was all right, it went good, so I'll we'll go again. If you had <laughs> one piece of advice that you could give to your younger self in regards to the hobby and collecting, what would your advice be?
1: Oh, man, it'd be the first 50 cards, the first 50, you know, 10 and $20 cards that I bought. I w- just wouldn't buy them and then sort of probably hold off and buy something. You know, at the time, I probably could have bought, you know, a Jordan rookie for maybe 1000 1500 or something when i first started in the hobby mm-hmm. um, you know so i think although it's a learning process that probably everyone goes through at some point i think you know definitely those first just 50 stupid purchases are probably the ones that i agree you know if i look back at what i bought now if i could see my ebay history i'd probably think <laughs> what was i doing you know these, these cards but you know uh, look i think uh, it's a it's an important thing to learn
0: that's a quite a similar answer to last week too that yeah. It's, i think, it's I, think of, I think everyone's got the same regrets everyone
1: comes in and they go nuts like i was buying some of the shit i was buying and was just terrible like and you know i'm just buying up thinking you know yeah this is cool and i wasn't really it wasn't even that i was thinking about it being worth money but it's just even when i look back at it i was like what did i even like about this card so it's not even about <laughs> it sort of you know money wise but yeah just definitely think that um the other thing is just research, I guess, like just looking into things, sort of trying to learn. I think it's one of those things where people forget that the destination is almost as good as the journey in the sort of hobby sense where, you know, it's one thing to own this nice card, but I think it's so much more fulfilling if, you know, you might have spent six months learning about that particular set, learning about that particular yeah. card, tracking that card down. And that could be, you know, a $50 card or it could be a 500 or $5,000 card. But, you know, just trying to sort of learn about it, find out about it, and sort of, you know, just that whole journey of it. I think people sometimes try to rush through and just want to buy these big cards or, you know, show some on Instagram and Flex and not really spend the time sort of appreciating it along the way.
2: Yeah, yeah no, a lot of people are still in, still in it to turn, as you said earlier, turn money over quick. And that's, I find that a problem with it sometimes. Not not all the time because, you know, every everyone can make a buck in the hobby, but, yeah, sometimes you you just get those guys and you get those feelings when you're dealing with those guys that yeah they're just in that for that quick cash you know i, th- I
1: think the good thing is t- t- to an extent I- i've got the same sort of view as you, you know i'm not against anyone making money in the hobby at all <sighs> um love people making money but you can certainly get a feel for those people that are probably in it for a little bit too quick. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, at some stage or another, those guys usually get found out in some way. Whether it's this sort of correction, correction that's happened recently with all, you know, the base cards, and you still see the same sort of people a month later all trying to unload the same cards that you go, shit, like yeah. I can only imagine how much they bought them for a couple of months ago. Um, and they're that the same cards.
0: Spike? That... Remember that oh. ball had that one, one oh, good yeah. uh, pre game in the no, but bubble? but that happens
1: all the time. Who <laughs> yeah. was it the I'm year before? Like THC did one as well. <laughs> THC, but it was even last year in the bubble, there was a player. Who did he play for? I'm trying to think. TJ, <laughs> TJ Warren. Yeah, TJ Yeah, TJ. Yeah, that was the same thing. Like, people went nuts. You know, it's, it's always happened, I guess. But, yeah, I, I think it's not even those ones like... Oh, it's not the speculators. It's to me the one that irritates me the most is just straight out boring cards like a you know mm. a Luca base prism or something where there's just you know it's just because it's a PSA ten Luca base prism is probably to me the absolute pits. It's the most boring card. Like I've got, I would not want to own it Print other than the fact massive. that it's. <laughs> Well, it's not even the print line, like, even just the, the aesthetics of the card. Like, it's just, to mm. me, it does nothing for the me, you know. Some card, of the select yeah. variations a little bit different. Um, you know, you've got your different levels, that sort of stuff, but you know and I think that's the one that irritated me when I seen people spending stupid amount of money for those sort of cards mm, and you know yeah. one of the other biggest things that I think one of the biggest lessons is learn to you know not worry about what other people do so someone else may find that card really good looking so I, I shouldn't sort of you know generalize that it looks yeah. like shit but you know mm-hmm. it's um, that was that was one of the things that irritated me the most how much people are spending on what I perceive to be really boring things but mm-hmm. um, you know look someone along the way probably loved it that's it I'm and if trash. they didn't, they paid a shitload for something that was absolutely <laughs> crap. <laughs> Bad luck to them. But yeah, no, that's it. Uh, um, yeah, that's pretty
0: much all we have today. So obviously, um, super busy. You talked about all those things you got dropping. We got more coming. So thank you for giving us your time and sitting down with us to have a chat and give us a bit of a perspective into the moneyball world.
1: No, yeah, excellent. Thank thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. It's, very uh, much, be Sean. interesting to see the pod grow. Love it. It's sort of, I think. That was where me and Ben originally, I guess not originally, but one of our biggest stuff was with Talking Cardboard. That was the first podcast over here Mm -hmm. that we were doing and like literally no one did card podcasts. And it was like, what? A podcast about About cards? cards. (laughs) And then it was sort of, you know, they had the whole big growth and everything sort of went crazy. Um, And so much of the content now though, I find, is just people trying to break news and give hot takes and they're all just repeating everyone else's views. So I think, you know, Mm -hmm. another podcast where there's actually sort of you know just talking to collectors talking about things you know i guess discussion driven content rather than you guys just shouting at people what you think they want to hear i think is amazing so i think it's really good good work